Josh Hart back to the Pelicans. Plus, are the Pelicans better offensively than they were a year ago? We're going to cover it all in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's do this. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Tuesday. We've got a jam-packed show. First and foremost, Josh Hart coming back to New Orleans on a three-year deal. It's a bit of an overpay. But when you start to look at this deal, one, is it really? And two, why this is actually a more important signing for New Orleans than you might realize on the surface. And I'll explain why coming up in the first segment of today's show. Plus, are the Pelicans better offensively than they were a year ago? Is the squad that we're going to see starting the regular season in October better to score points than this team was last year? Might not be as much as you think, though I do think they're improved. I'll explain the areas where there might be some struggles, the areas where I do think they've improved, and we'll look at the new additions, plus some of the internal improvement, which is where the Pelicans are really banking on. That's going to be in segments two and three of today's show. So let's dive into it all, except before we do that, today's episode of Lockdown Pelicans brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. So we got a woe bomb in the middle of the day. Josh Hart coming back to New Orleans on a three-year, $38 million contract. That averages out to being $12.6 million per season. That's an interesting contract this late in free agency because, frankly, he no one else has that money to offer him. On the surface, it does look like the Pelicans are kind of negotiating against themselves in this. Teams could offer him the mid-level exception, so it's kind of maxing out at, you know, nine point something million, you know, on a two-year deal. No team is going to really offer that for Josh Hart, who's been at times an inconsistent shooter. He's not good. He's not bad. He's kind of right around, you know, average, maybe maybe in that range. You know, he gives you other things too, but the shooting, he's passing up open threes, man, from the corners too. It's not great. You know, for a guy that has seen his three-point percentage drop almost every single year in the league, it leaves a lot to be desired with what he does offensively. He shot 32.6% from three last season. That's bad. But why did the Pelicans give him a contract that pays him upwards of $12 million in the first year. That's more money, by the way, than Devontae Graham is making for New Orleans, their big kind of shining jewel of the offseason. It looks like this, you know, in comparison to that is a lot. But there's a couple of things going on here. So first and foremost, it's a slight overpay, but it's not the end of the world. And if you want to retain talent in New Orleans, sometimes it's just what you've got to do. And I think the Pelicans were looking at this in even though Josh Hart didn't have a market, right? We saw Dennis Schroeder go to the Boston Celtics for five point something million dollars on the taxpayer mid-level exception. So not even the big mid-level exception, right? Why couldn't they sign him to something like that? A one-year deal or just, you know, the qualifying offer that they tendered him to make him a restricted free agent in the first place or wait for a team to make him an offer and just match it and keep him at a lower price point than this. They didn't want to get into that. You don't want him on a one-year deal. 
You don't want him on that qualifying offer where then he becomes an unrestricted free agent going into a market where there's going to be way more cap space than what we saw this offseason. And maybe he gets paid and the Pelicans lose him for nothing then. At least on a three-year deal, you have team control over him for a while. You can use him in a trade, different things like that, and maybe get something back for him. The thought of losing him for nothing, especially after the dismal return for Lonzo Ball, that's not great. So New Orleans is kind of overpaying right now and on his contract, and it's not much, right? Like, it's not a big, big overpay. It's not anything where I'm like, what the hell? They gave him that kind of money. It's just they paid him more than probably what his market was, and that's fine because there's benefits two and three seasons from now with all of this. And we'll see if there's any non-guaranteed money in this deal. But really, it seems like they paid him more to just have some more control over him and what can happen with him in the future. And I think that can be an important thing. But the other big part of this is, and this kind of sends a message, I think, to me, at least someone who kind of keeps track of all this, look who his agents are, right? Who his representation is. They're the same people that represent J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick was just on his podcast kind of taking shots at Griff the other day. He clearly had some issues, and we all know the story on his way, you know, what happened on his way out of New Orleans. You know, you'll never see truthfulness or transparency from that front office, trust in that front office. Players don't want to be there. Josh Hart just got a bag and seemed thrilled to be in New Orleans, tweeting out the colors, tweeting out fun gifts, things like that. Same representation as J.J. Redick. So clearly Griffin didn't poison that well and make it so that an agent doesn't want anything to do with New Orleans. That's important. That matters long term. So I think that stuff with J.J. Redick, you know, we can definitely say now is entirely overblown. And that's part of the reason why maybe you pay Josh Hart to repair that relationship to some degree and all of that. But I'm fine with that. Like, I don't think that that is really a big deal. And I'm happy what New Orleans did. He gives you so much toughness. The rebounding from that guard spot that he plays in on the wing is a really important thing. He dives for loose balls. He plays above average defense. He's just a fun guy to have on the roster. When I did the show for the Pelicans on the fly. He was the guest that we had for the first one, which was really cool to do an interview with him. He's a guy that Willie Green's going to love, right? A guy that's going to give you all of the way is that Willie Green wants this team to play. Overpaying him by a little bit, not a ton. It's fine. Do this deal, move on. I like the idea of him here a little bit better than Buddy Heald, right? Than a one-dimensional shooter that doesn't play defense, that might be unhappy. Josh Hart is thrilled to be here. He's going to go out and play tough. I'm, I'm fine with it. I have no issues with this. Even if it is an overpay, that can be totally okay. It's not a big deal whatsoever. So we'll get into kind of the meat of today's show. Are the Pelicans better offensively than they were a year ago? We're going to look at Devontae Graham and kind of compare his numbers. And we're going to look very heavily at the stats and the analytics here. We'll look at Nikhil Alexander-Walker too, who's kind of key to all of us, as well as a couple of other things. How do the Pelicans get better? Or how would they make the jump into being a top five offense, let's say? But before we get to that, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by Sweatblock. Sweatblock Anti-Perspirant Wipes. I took my dog for a walk at noon yesterday. I take her pretty much every time I'm working from home during that uh, time frame. It, look, man, it's it's freaking hot outside. You sweat. I come back. You almost feel like you need to take a shower. And then I got the samples of the sweat block antiperspirant wipes. Threw those things on. No problem. 
Didn't need to change shirts, didn't need to take a shower or anything like that. Shirt was clean. I had some Zoom meetings after the fact, so I'm still on there. You don't want to, you know, you can still see all of that here. Uh, you don't want a situation like that, and that's where sweat block antiperspirant wipes come in. I know many of you have dealt with this. It's hot in New Orleans. You don't want to go to a wedding where you're just sweating through your shirt. It's making you keep your jacket on, which is just going to make you even hotter. You're on a date, you've got a presentation, all of that stuff. Dealing with just Overly sweating is not a fun situation whatsoever, and that's where sweat block antiperspirant wipes come in. Doctor created, doctor recommended, and they work for up to seven days per use. Plus, they have the dry shirt guaranteed. If sweat block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. It's really that simple. They've been featured and tested everywhere, including on the Rachel Ray show by firefighters. Doesn't get any hotter than that. So go check them out. They've been on Amazon for the past 10 years, 13,000 reviews, and they're made in the US. So if you or someone you love is dealing with excessive sweating, you have to check out Sweatblock. So get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on or at Amazon or CVS. Today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is also brought to you by Indeed. General managers, when they bring players in, they question them. They put them through a job interview, right? They put them through tests and workouts and things like that. And when you're hiring, you can use the Indeed assessments to help make sure you find the right candidates with the skills you need, much like what these general managers are doing in the draft, in free agency. Your interview is that workout that these drafted players go through. But it's hard, and hiring gets tiring. And so you need Indeed, the job site that makes hiring incredibly simple. Just attract, interview, and hire. And in fact, with Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place, even interviewing. Don't just hope for the perfect candidate. Indeed's hiring tools will help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. And in fact, Indeed Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job the moment it's Hosted. With Indeed assessments, choose from 135 skills tests to help make sure you're finding the right people with the skills you need. Don't go shifting through applicants. Let Indeed do all of that for you. And according to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. So join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. That's a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. So we're looking at the Pelicans now. We just went over Josh Hart stuff and why that was a big deal, actually. There's more to that signing than kind of meets the eye, right? But now let's look towards next season. Are the Pelicans improved offensively? We're going to look at offense today. We're going to look at defense tomorrow. We'll look at the intangibles on Thursday. Then I have a fun Friday show planned for us. Um, but are the Pelicans better offensively than they were a year ago? So guys going out, Lonzo Ball, the big names, right? The ones that kind of matter here. Lonzo Ball, Eric Bledsoe, and Steven Adams. Incoming, Devontae Graham, Trey Murphy, uh, Jonas Valanciunas. Those are kind of the three big additions. Plus, you know, returning Josh Hart and all of those things. So is this team better? Based on just that, I'm not entirely sure. Look, I don't know if the jump from Steven Adams to Jonas Valanciunas is actually that big of a deal. Jonas is not, Valanciunas is not, not a court spacer. If anyone ever tells you he's a court spacer, just tell them that they're wrong. He barely shoots any threes and the release is so slow that no one's actually going to guard him on the perimeter. Where he's a significantly better offensive player is in post-up situations. Uh, Steven Adams ranked under 40th in terms of percentile. Jonas is in the 70th. It's a significant upgrade there, 
but he's not going to be doing it that much and you don't want him posting up that much. So it's kind of a minuscule impact per game. In terms of putbacks, right? Again, it's fairly minuscule. It's 0.2 points per possession. That's not a lot. It's not going to matter that much for the low usage rate that those two guys have. I like Valanciunas better than Steven Adams. He's capable of at least taking over a game offensively, as we've seen against New Orleans. Is that going to really happen all that often? No. Am I getting excited about something like that? No, because I don't think it's going to be very impactful when you look at, say, Zion Williamson here, Brandon Ingram here, Devontae Graham, Trey Murphy, all of that stuff. It's just not going to matter. So while, yes, he's better, eh, I'm not too excited about it. So really, on the surface of it, if they're going to improve significantly, it kind of falls on the shoulders of Devontae Graham, right? When you start to dive into his numbers, one, the per-game numbers are very, very similar to Lonzo Ball, more or less in terms of the stats, kind of equal production. Three-point shooting is very similar. The way they get those shots is very similar. You know, while Graham takes more pull-up threes, so off the dribble threes with the ball in his hand, not scared to pull up and shoot, he's not a particularly efficient shooter at it, so you don't want him taking that shot a ton. It's nice he can do it and does it, and does it better than Lonzo Ball, but eh, I'm not not too thrilled about that necessarily. I think Graham is a more consistent three-point shooter than Lonzo Ball is, even if their numbers in the catch-and-shoot situation is pretty similar. I think you're just going to get more even production from Devontae Graham and less peaks and valleys like you got with Lonzo Ball. Great when Lonzo hits those peaks, you win the game, but when they when he, when he throws out, troughs out, I don't know how you, whatever that is, or if that's even a verb, it's not good. You lose the game when he goes one of eight, right? And he did that very often, just as many times as he'd go six of eight and things like that. Devontae Graham's a whole lot more even, and I like that better. It just helps you know what you're going to get on a night-to-night basis to kind of build your game plan around. So he's good there. I think that's that's a really good thing. I think I'm thrilled about that. That's going to help the Pelicans improve. And look, the Pelicans were the 11th best offense last season. So it's not inconceivable at all that they jump into the top 10, get to eight or so. But it's about making that leap to the top five. And when you look at Devontae Graham in other areas, it's not pretty. At times, he's better than Lonzo Ball. At times, he's not. He's not a better pick-and-roll guard than Lonzo Ball is. The numbers don't bear it out. When you look at the percentiles and things like that and the efficiency, it's not there. He doesn't drive. Just like Lonzo Ball didn't drive, right? He sh- he finishes at the rim just as poorly as Lonzo Ball did. Gets the line a little bit more, and that's going to help him. So when I look at Devontae Graham coming in, I'm not like blown away by it. Where the benefit comes from is you're paying him half of what the Bulls are paying Lonzo Ball for similar production. That's great, right? Like, I love saving money on everything. Just me personally, and I'm sure the team loves saving money. But that doesn't necessarily matter a ton. You know, it's not my money. I'd rather just have not given up a first-round pick and maybe paid $40 million more. But Devontae Graham certainly comes in with probably a higher ceiling, I think at least in terms of this season, than what Lonzo Ball does. And you've definitely seen some more playmaking from him than Lonzo Ball did last season. But when you get into the numbers, they're really similar in the areas that they struggle. And so when you look at them as players, if you were to, and they're not a one-to-one thing. We talked about this last week, right? Like don't look at him replacing Lonzo Ball or Eric Bledsoe or anything like that. 
It's just kind of the same, which is fine because you know what? The offense was 11 last year, so that's a good thing. And if he elevates them slightly, they go up a couple of ticks, and that's a big thing. Um, and frankly, the court gravity opens things up more for Zion, is going to make things easier for Brandon Ingram too. That alone is probably worth it and where he's significantly better than Lonzo Ball. Teams finally started guarding Lonzo Ball late in the year, but they were still happy to let him shoot, right? They're not going to do the same for, for Devontae Graham. He definitely has court gravity to him. Defenders kind of know where he is, have to account for him, less so um, for Lonzo Ball. So that's a big improvement. But where they're really going to improve comes from a couple of other areas. And it really hinges on guys that are already on the roster, particularly around Keel Alexander-Walker. And that's who we're going to talk about coming up here next. And a little bit on Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram as well. So that's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Before we get to that, though, this episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. So many different cars and makes and models out there. It's impossible for you to go to your local chain store and order the part you need. They're going to get something that'll work. But it's not exactly what you're looking for. It might not fit 100%, and that means it's something you're just going to have to replace a little bit later. I had to do this on a thermostat covering um, that just cracked because it didn't fit quite right, and that wasn't a great situation to be leaking hot coolant everywhere. It was a bit of a disaster. I needed that part in a pinch. I should have just ordered it from rockauto.com because I knew it would have fit the car and wouldn't have given me any issues later on. So that's what you've got to do. Go save time and money when using rockauto.com. Why choose to spend 30, 50, 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Honda Odyssey fuel pump, by the way, 353 from a chain store, 216 at rockauto.com. I've told you the story about the AC condenser that I've had. Saved me uh, like 180 something dollars for it, and I've saved thousands by using rockauto.com, a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. And their prices are reliably low for every single customer. So whatever it is you're looking for, you can get it over at rockauto.com, whether it's motor oil, coolant, all those fluids that keep your car running, all the way up to headlamps, whether you need a new steering wheel, anything like that, you can get it all at rockauto.com. So go explore their super easy to use website. You just put in the year, the make, the model, they're going to show you all the parts available and all the different price points so you can search and get exactly what you want. So go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck are locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com today's episode also brought to you by built bar built bar is the best tasting protein bar out there basically candy bars but they're actually good and they're healthy for you. I just ordered one of the special limited edition flavors, Rocky Road, that had some marshmallow and other stuff in there. It was awesome. Only 150 calories and 180 grams of protein. It's exactly what you're looking for. The macros on these things are awesome. Plus, they all taste better than any other protein bar you've had out there. They're not chalky. They're not dry. You don't need to chug down a bottle of water after you eat one of these things. Have them in the morning for breakfast or before or after your workout. They're great with that. Sometimes I just eat one for lunch as a bit of a meal replacement too when I just don't want to be bogged down by anything. So go to built.com, Use promo code LOCKED15 and you're going to get 15% off your next order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off over at built.com. All right, talking about the Pelicans and if they're going to be better offensively. So it comes down to, so we said Devontae Graham for the production that Lonzo Ball gives you and to a lesser extent the production that Eric Bledsoe gives you. I, I don't see it being a huge difference. Is he an improvement? Yeah, probably. Is it that much? Eh, I'm, I'm not there yet with potential for it to do that. And the numbers don't bear it out, right? 
But where they're going to need to improve offensively is going to be with one key player and a guy that we're expecting to be in the starting lineup. And that's Nikhil Alexander-Walker. This is where, you know, the fate of the season might rest. That's a little bit hyperbolic, but it's not that far off. When you look at his offensive numbers the past year, they're not great. In, in like any capacity, they are very, very inefficient. He has flashes, he shows potential, but the numbers aren't great. He shot under 35% from three last year. He shot 42% from the field. That's not good either. Doesn't get to the free throw line a ton, and he shoots under 75% from there. He turns the ball over way more than what you would like. And he scores an inefficient 11 points per game on 10 shots. Those numbers aren't good, right? In the pick and roll, not great. Driving, he's aggressive, yes. Definitely more aggressive than any other guard we've had on the roster for the past couple of seasons. But he doesn't score at the rim well. He doesn't dish assists and play make out of pick and roll situations or on drives to the basket either. He's an average at best catch and shoot guy and he's a bad pull up jumper three point shooter. Numbers, numbers aren't good. And you can go look at all of these, by the way, on NBA.com slash stats under the play type and tracking data there. But then you dive in a little bit more and you look at him in the starting lineup. Most of those numbers come from him being the man with the second unit. And maybe this is more of a role thing than anything else. He started 13 games last season, came off the bench for 33 of them. The numbers as a starter, significantly better. Field goal percentage as a starter, 45.9% compared to 38.7%. 41.2% from three, 29.5% off of the bench. Averaged as a starter, where did it go? 19 points per game, only eight off the bench. Assists, three as a starter, two off the bench. So the assists aren't there. He's not going to play make ton. He's a secondary creator, secondary playmaker at most. He's not going to be like a pure point, right? But he does get downhill and at least start to kind of create for others that way, I think. And that's a useful player to try and have. And we'll get into his defense and other stuff later on. So seeing him as a starter and seeing the numbers kind of skyrocket up there, Maybe it's better when he's your third option, right? When he doesn't have the bulk of the offense on his shoulders where he needs to try and go and do something because no one else is there to do it. And it leads to him being an inefficient player. If you can just play your role, right? Can he improve? Can he be a good catch-and-shoot guy with Zion Williamson? That's kind of the important thing, I think, to a certain degree, right? So with that in mind, I do think that is something that he can definitely kind of achieve now I just gave you those numbers and you'll see people point to these when they're like oh as a starter he's good his best scoring performances came significantly when Zion was out which makes sense to a certain degree right he's still playing with B.I. and some of the other guys out there so that's definitely a thing Um, but keep that in mind right like if you're expecting him to average 18 to 20 points I think you might be very disappointed in that because those point explosions came when there was just really no one else and he got hot in that game. And maybe it also had to do with him playing with other guys out there. We'll see. But his field goal percentage is worse when he shares a court with Zion Williamson than when Zion Williamson is off the court. When he shares the court with Zion Williamson, by the way, shoots 31.3% from three. When Zion's off the court... 37.5%. His numbers are all 
over the place. But they're banking on him taking a significantly bigger role. If he rises up to it and kind of hits some of the high notes that we've seen, this team's going to be good. If he doesn't, though, the Pelicans are really going to have trouble in the backcourt again, potentially. And that's that's a big deal. The other areas where they're going to improve. So it kind of hinges, I think, to a degree on Nikhil and the level of production that they get from him. But there's going to be some improvement from Zion Williamson kind of as the full-time point forward. That's a big thing, right? His assist numbers are going to go up. He can probably score a little bit more efficiently than he did last year, and he's going to soften the uh, defense up by maybe adding a bit of a floater or a mid-range jumper in there. Hopefully we saw him kind of use some of that, being able to score from a little bit further away, whether it was bank shots or other things like that. If he does that, it, it affects the defense in an even more impressive way than just his pure score. B.I. went through a stretch last season where he was just miserable. If he doesn't have that and loses that, this team jumps up then too. You had Trey Murphy and his shooting in, and I think that's definitely a legitimate thing. But that probably puts you at level, uh, you know, kind of from last season, I think, to a certain degree. I don't know if the shooting got that much better. But can they also be 26 and three-point percentage again? Can they shoot that poorly again, or do the numbers just kind of even out at this point? I think there's also potential for that. Plus, the improved defense may be giving them some easy numbers too. So there's reasons to be optimistic that they jump from 11 to getting close to the top five. Maybe it's to six or so. That'd be good. They're going to need to do something like that because there's still question marks about the defense, even with a new head coach coming in and seeing the DNA of that team, which we talked about in yesterday's show. What did they look like in summer league and how might that translate over to the actual regular season? But I do think this team's improved. I think it's still minuscule enough offensively from what I'm seeing with the potential to be much more. And now we get to wait for the regular season to find out if that's the case. But Josh Hart back in the fold, hopeful improvement from Nikhil and just the usual improvement that we'd expect from other guys. The team is still better. And tomorrow we're going to look at them defensively and what they're doing. And maybe that's where they can make a real big leap to get back into the playoffs and not just be a play-in tournament team. So that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all so very much for listening, for watching. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you get, well, just on YouTube too. And please tell your friends about the show. Get them listening and clued in. Only show that's here five days a week for you all, breaking down everything you want to know about the team, all the topics you want to hear and more too. Don't forget, Friday's show is going to be really, really fun. Stay tuned for that. We'll be teasing it more a little bit in depth over the rest of the week as well. So that's going to do it. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.